As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line in my online dispensary, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out for their support of mood and emotional wellness, myonostal powder, L-theanine, and clinical stress relief. Myonostal powder promotes emotional and mental wellness and healthy eating patterns. Healthy eating can support relaxation without drowsiness and promotes healthy cognitive function. And clinical stress relief has been shown to support healthy cortisol levels and thus can help relieve the symptoms of stress from everyday life. They're available at dearhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's dearhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today's subject is how to navigate our labyrinthine healthcare system. Yes, we have uh, one of the most advanced healthcare systems in the world, uh, but sometimes uh, as a consumer, it's uh, baffling. And uh, you need to be forearmed with uh, some knowledge uh, as, how you, as to how you can best leverage uh, these great uh, great assets that are out there. Uh, and this is also in line with a book that uh, I wrote a few years back, which is entitled How to Talk to Your Doctor. Uh, there I talked about uh, specifically uh, how to get some modicum of uh, natural care within the context of high-tech medicine. Not everyone can uh, afford to go to uh, specifically an integrated practitioner, or perhaps you're in a part of the country where there are none. And you may have to work with specialists uh, who are not specifically trained in integrated medicine. So that was the theme of that book. Uh, today's subject is uh, uh, around the consumer experience. Uh, our guest is uh, Joyce Griggs. Uh, Joyce uh, is the impetus behind a website entitled unitedstatesofhealthcare.com. And what that is about is an effort to uh, empower uh, consumers as to how to effectively access proper treatment and care. And so without further ado, uh, here's Joyce. Welcome. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. And indeed, you know, you write uh, on your website, which is excellent. Uh, the ride through a complicated, fractured, confusing, and dehumanizing healthcare system can be maddening. The process of getting the right care for you or a loved one can feel insurmountable. It's almost as if you need to learn a new language, <laughs> if only you had a translator. And hopefully, uh, you can uh, facilitate that translation for us today and uh, point our listeners to helpful resources. But a lot of this is born out of uh, your personal experience. You, you have a background in working in uh, healthcare, uh, right. but so it's not like you're unsophisticated as to how healthcare works, uh, but you yourself found yourself uh, with a challenging situation a while back. And that led to kind of an epiphany about your new mission in uh, empowering healthcare consumers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's that's exact that's exactly right. Um, a few years back, my former husband had knee replacement surgery, and he had some other complicating issues, health issues, 
um, that made that recovery um, really scary. And so there I was, 20 years of experience in the healthcare industry, mainly on the uh, the marketing side. But nonetheless, I had spent you know most of my career working with leading experts, so I knew my way around the healthcare system and how. And I wasn't. Uh, shy about talking with doctors or other healthcare professionals and, you know, asking my questions and making things clear in terms of what we needed. Um, however, I made a lot of assumptions about how the system worked and all of those assumptions proved to be uh, wrong and sometimes dangerous. And so I began to wonder as we navigated through these one crisis after another, how does, you know, the average person uh, I, I mean, I was being, you know, somewhat uh, facetious and sardonic, but how does anybody live? Uh, like, how do they live through the experience of getting the right health care? Because um, there were a number of times when we were in a dangerous situation. So I began to advocate in th- this way for my former husband. And as I was advocating for him and being coached by other healthcare professionals in terms of what I what was the next step I needed to do, uh, I realized that it was, I just felt called literally to begin to um, create a space where I could work with others and share our experience and then the experience of healthcare insiders into how we can be better advocates for ourselves and our families. And, and what are some of the, the problems that you encountered in that, you know, what, what uh, is... Yeah. Essentially, a, a relatively routine procedure. I think uh, hundreds of thousands of Americans uh, undergo joint replacement surgeries, you know, whether it's a, a knee, a shoulder, uh, or a hip uh, annually. It, it's uh, pretty, pretty common, and uh, yep. the complication rate is relatively low. Uh, it's a, a procedure that is tried and true. But That's abs- there absolutely issues. right. There are issues. Well, there are issues here because, um, so first of all, it's elective surgery. Mm-hmm. And elective surgery means you decide to have the surgery. It's not like a, a life or death surgery. You must have the surgery or you will have, you know, or you could lose your life or you could lose, you know, some other functionality or so on. So it's elective surgery. Uh, and my former husband was uh, taking uh, under doctor's care. He was un- it was taking a lot of very powerful um, uh, uh, drugs for um, so- so- that were were um, prescribed by a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was having some mental health issues, cognitive issues. Um, and when uh, we and I remember, and he had had a fall about a month before his surgery, and a fall is um, a risk factor for another fall. Mm-hmm. And he was going to be sent home alone because we were not living together at the time. Uh, and I was very concerned because there's 13 steps in the house, and he was already seemed confused. Things were not quite right with him. So I was talking to the surgical coordinator, and I was expressing my concerns. I was like, I really think that there is the option for him to be released not to home because it is such a routine uh, procedure. As, as you mentioned, uh, folks are usually um, discharged to the home and then your physical therapist and your uh, visiting nurse come directly to the home. Uh, and it's always better to be out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. However, in this case, I asked if he could please be released to um, a rehabilitation center right. for five days. Right, because um, and, which make, could totally make sense because, you know, unsupervised yeah. and, you know, at his own recourse, uh, mm-hmm. that wouldn't have been so great. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I also was very concerned because he'd had the fall. Um, he'd hit his head. He'd gotten very, I mean, he fell down 13 stairs. Um, and I was like, this is indicative that things are not going in a good direction. I think it's dangerous for him to, to come home. Uh, however, um, and then I also said to them, I said, and you know, all the medication he's on, right? All of the, um, the central nervous system medications that he's on as well. They're very powerful and they're very high doses. And they said to me, yes, it's all in his electronic medical record. And when I heard them say those words to me, I made the assumption that professional to professional, doctor to doctor, that they had actually spoken to his psychiatrist and gotten the medicines that he was on and the dosages that he mm-hmm. was on. Mm-hmm. That, in fact, is not what happened. And it's it's usually not what happens. They had asked my ex-husband, uh, what medicines are you on? And he, from his foggy memory, just kind of rattled off what he was on and the dosages and how often he took them. And it was all wrong. So so an important uh, lesson take home here is uh, we all have electronic medical records, but mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how many times uh, I have found the electronic me- medical records are wrong. They make exactly. uh, attestations that patients have conditions that they don't have. Uh, they get medication doses wrong. I go, you're still on this medication, right? And 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 the patient says, no, I haven't been on that medication for five years. Uh, you know, and, and uh, they even get you know, uh, aspects of a physical exam wrong. Sometimes they, I mean, in egregious examples, they, they, they actually switch genders, <laughs> you know, and they perform a prostate exam that they say is normal on a, on a woman, <laughs> you know, and they say prostate yeah. exam normal. Some yeah. egregious examples of yeah. how EMRs can become, come up short. It, 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 that's that's exactly right, and that is, and this is what I mean by I was making a lot of assumptions uh, that were, and so what I learned in this process was never assume and 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 trust no one. And when I say trust no one, I mean you just need to you need to double check with everyone, even a top professional, because everybody's a human being, mm-hmm. um, and it's your life that's on the line, uh, and or your health, and so it, it really is incumbent upon us to be you know, really asking, asking these questions. So when my former husband, when, when he was discharged to home, he, they give you a discharge list, which lists all of your medications and the dosages in which you, you should be taking those medications, including now opioids, Mm-hmm. Um, that he was on for the, for for his for his condition, and the, the, it was some of those medicines like Xanax, which he was on, was gi- being given at the wrong dosages, and it's very dangerous to um, you know lower those doses in kind of a in a in a in a quick kind of way. It needs right. to be done in a very slow process. Plus, it could and, be a witch's brew when you add uh, pain medication on top of that, on top of those yeah. relatively sedating drugs, with a guy who's already got some. Balance problems, and uh, then he's got uh, you know a weak leg, the consequence of surgery. That could be a perfect storm. Yeah, it was, and it, and it, and in our case, it it, it was, and it was, uh, and he was very confused, and I you know, was talking to the, I was talking to the office of the, of the surgeon. I was talking to the home health uh, nurse and the home health nurse. She was my angel. And she, we actually got 24 hour care to come in Mm -hmm. and stay with him Mm -hmm. and to administer the medicines. And what happened was, was the director of, of home uh, nursing 
hospital, uh, our nurse who was assigned to us said, you call my boss and you call her tomorrow morning. And this was, he was discharged over a weekend. I called on a Monday and I explained everything to her in gory detail. And she told me, she goes, you need to call all of his doctors and you need to explain what's happening. His primary care doctor, his psychiatrist and his surgeon. Mm -hmm. And so I started making these calls. Uh, told the psychiatrist, these are the dosages of the medicines that he's taking. And he, I could hear his eyebrows raise into yeah. his hairline, <laughs> right? And he's like, oh my God. He goes, yeah. write this down. These yeah. are the dosages you should be on. You need to change them yeah. immediately. Lucky for us, we had a, you know, a, a nurse at home who was able to then, you know, change those, those dosages. We got George to a neurologist. We, I talked to his primary care doctor and got him in, you know, activated. I mean, it took a crisis. Mm -hmm. Uh, finally, I literally had it a little bit of words with the, um, with the surgeon as well, but we came to a really great understanding finally where he began to understand. He's like, his knee is great. I said, his knee is great. And this is where it came to where specialists specialize. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He, they they kind of carve up uh, the turf of the human body and say, say, well, this is my turf and the rest is somebody else's purview. But then you get like a fractured kind of care. You know, it's uh, that's right. You, divide, you get divided up into different body parts. That's right. I call it sliver care. Yeah. And what can you know? What can we do to connect everyone? And that's that was my job. I began connecting everyone, mm -hmm. connecting all the dots, and it you know. And that's when we began to get some uh, proper care, you know, and and dealing with all the issues that needed to be dealt with. He's doing great. Yeah, and indeed he's doing well now. Joyce, this really yeah. highlights the issue of uh, what we might term a patient advocate. You know, yes. you go into a doctor's visit, and there's a couple of circumstances where a patient advocate could be important. You know, for example, in your husband's case, where you know he's he he's kind of going to be under the weather and maybe uh, experiencing some degree of confusion. You know, that might be the case with a elderly patient or a patient with dementia or a patient with mm -hmm. a you know, psychiatric condition, or, or certainly a patient post-surgery, because, you know, surgery Absolutely. knocks you out. But it could also mm -hmm. be the case where, you know, you uh, might accompany uh, a girlfriend uh, to a visit to um, a breast surgeon, uh, where she's going to have a conversation about the results of her mammogram, and uh, which may not be so good. And I got to say, there's that whole phenomenon of the deer in the headlights conversation, where you tell a patient about some kind of dire prognosis, and it just doesn't sink in. It just doesn't sink in. And they, they walk out of the office kind of mesmerized, and they may go home to their spouse or their significant other and say, and, and they're asked, what happened? And they say, well, yeah, I'm not really sure. They said something about cancer, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, you know it's absolutely it's absolutely true. One of the things that we um, write about in our on our website and in our content is about uh, you know all the things that we need to do to prepare for visits, right? And one mm -hmm. of the things that we talk about is the the buddy. And if you're dealing with any kind of chronic condition, I mean, even if it's a condition that you have been dealing with for years, in the case of somebody who might have type one diabetes, for example, um, or an autoimmune disease that they've been dealing with uh, for, for many years, it's still helpful to every now and then 
uh, bring a buddy along with you because of just that fact. We don't always ask all the questions. We get overwhelmed by what we're hearing because you're like, what does this mean? And your mind begins to race and you lose, you lose the present moment. The, the other thing that we do recommend and talk about is ask your doctor or your nurse practitioner, whoever it is you're seeing, if it's okay to record the visit, especially if they're giving you new information. Mm -hmm. Some will say no, but many will say, of course, go right Mm -hmm. ahead and record. Yeah, I think doctors sometimes are <laughs> fearful of litigation sometimes. So they, yeah. they, but, you know, I'm perfectly all right with it. The only problem is, yeah. is that, uh, you know, in the course of uh, a long visit, there might be a lot of fluff and you know, it could be a pretty yeah. boring uh, uh, thing to listen to. But, you know, you can speed it up and slow it down and listen to the essential parts. Um, I, you know, I think that, that that really is a good idea. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors this opportunity to share a brief message with you. If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Chocolate can be your strength. I've been searching high and low for cocoa products that deliver meaningful amounts of healthful flavanols with great flavor and minimal sugar. So I'm thrilled to have found Flava Naturals. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. But you need to eat five or more ordinary dark chocolate bars every day to match the flavanols consumed in most of these studies. Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate Cocoa Powder and beverages deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium, high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. That's flavanaturals.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you for supporting our sponsors. They are what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now, back to today's guest, consumer advocate, Joyce Griggs. So, frankly, we're talking about that the doctor's visit. What are some of the mistakes that patients mm-hmm. make going into a doctor's visit? A lot, of pe- a lot of patients assume, you know, I'll just go to the doctor. He'll figure it out. Uh, That's right. You know, and, uh, you know, the, the doctor's like Sherlock Holmes. He's going to investigate. Uh, and interrogate me and tease out the facts. Yeah. Well, one of the things, there, there, there's a statistic, and it's a very high percentage. And I can't remember quite what the percentage is, but it's very high. Like 70% of our health care comes from what we tell our doctors. So first of all, we have to come to our visits prepared. So I often say to folks, I said, would you go to your accountant uh, asking them to do your taxes without bringing your paperwork? Mm-hmm. Like how can your how can your accountant do your taxes if you don't yeah. bring your paper? W twos, so whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. It's just a question of coming prepared. So one of the things we recommend is take a moment, and we all are have availability now these portals, right? Where you're saying the electronic medical record, where we can go and look at our last visit, the labs from the last visit, and just get a bird's eye view, get a little knowledgeable about. About, about your healthcare, build that healthcare knowledge muscle as it, it as it is personalized to you. Um, and if you don't have access to a portal or your doctor doesn't use a portal or you're a nurse practitioner, then you call the office and ask them to please send you your last laboratory results so you can at least look at things. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't understand any of it, then that's the first question that goes on your list. So we always recommend to make a list of things that you wanna talk to your doctor about before that visit. And, uh, 
We also recommend to send it two days in advance of the visit. That would be ideal because, um, especially if you're using the portal, because sometimes it does take two days before mm -hmm. the doctor and practitioner can get to that. Um, and then at least, even if they glance at it for five minutes or two minutes before they walk into the door yeah. with you, have a sense. Right. They have. Oh, I know. Okay. I know what's on. I know what's on my patient's mind. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's I think that's really important because we have limited time in the visit. Mm -hmm. And that is the thing. Healthcare professionals don't like it. We don't like it when we come in as a, as, as a patient, but it is what it is. And so um, whatever we can do to make the most of that time preparing ourselves, writing down our questions, sending them in advance. And I also tell everyone, don't edit yourself. I mean, I think that it's really important to, first of all, you need to lead that meeting and say, these are the things I'm most concerned about, but I understand we have limited time together, mm -hmm. you know, to use the prioritization yeah. as the ex facilitator of this encounter that we're having right now, then let's start with, with, with that. I, I'm in agreement with you on that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always tell patients, you know, I, I you know, we, we have a brief interchange, you know, how are you? Oh, how was your trip into the city? You know, we establish a little rapport. Uh, and then, uh, I, you know, I say, okay, what brings you here today? And sometimes I get, I get this kind of response. Well, it all started back in 1954. When, uh, you know, I had the mumps, a patient maybe 65 years old. Uh, and, and, and I go, no. This is not like telling a joke where the end is the punchline. Give me the punchline first, and then we'll yeah. like cut back and we'll get the antecedents to see how uh, various factors led up to the current status. Is yeah. that something that uh, you think is a, is a worthwhile way of prioritizing uh, the uh, the discussion? Yeah, I, I, I do. It's it, it that, that's a really it's a really good point. But it's like, what is happening now today? What are the things that are happening now and today? Although we do also recommend that if you are having some sort of symptoms, whatever it might be, uh, make notes about it, because I'm sure you're asking questions of your patients like, well, okay, when did this start? Mm -hmm. How severe is it? Uh, things like this that we, we just want to make, we want to make notes about. We also recommend to people that if they're blanking on, I don't know, I don't have anything to discuss with my doctor, talk to the, you know, the significant people in, in your life and they'll remind you of things that you may have been mm -hmm. talking about that have been bothering you in terms of that are, you know, health related. And you're like, oh yeah, you're right. Um, because we often do, you know, we have built in forgetters. Mm -hmm. Um, so. And Okay, there's this phenomenon that is sometimes disparagingly referred to as la maladie du petit papier, uh, which is a disparaging phrase in French, uh, where my accent's not so good, uh, where patients uh, annoy doctors by bringing in reams of information. And they say, well, you know, I just, I Googled my condition and I have this and I have that and everything. And I have to say, I, I, I often enjoy this. I, it often is inf informative for me, but I structure my visits to be a little longer than, than standard doctors. Uh, how do you achieve a happy medium there? Uh, and, and yeah. not antagonize your doctor or waste time during this limited window of opportunity you have to, uh, highlight mm -hmm. your condition. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's a there's a couple of things. So we do say to people, you know, 
stay away from Dr. Google unless you're going to reputable sites Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of sites out there that give themselves names that make them sound like the National Institute of fill-in-the-blank when they really aren't well credentialed. So unless you're spending a lot of time looking at the backgrounds of the people who are part of those organizations, it's a buyer beware situation. Um, One of the things we recommend is if you want more information about your condition or something that you're experiencing, ask your doctor, ask your nurse practitioner to prescribe information uh, from a reputable site or send you a video or some additional educational materials that they recommend that you read. Um, and I think that this is an important thing for healthcare pro- professionals to be doing for their patients because there is so much misinformation out there. Um, however, there are groups in the social media realm uh, that are moderated by experts. It's just you have to be very, you have to be really careful and you have to do a lot of research and make sure that you're not uh, being influenced by somebody that has an axe to grind either on the positive or the negative um, as it relates to either uh, a condition or therapies for a condition or any right. of these things. It, it can cut both ways because you can have somebody come That's up with a wackadoodle idea about how to treat your condition. But on the other hand, uh, you could be reading a so-called informative website that is actually uh, a front for a drug company that's trying to promote a, a new expensive medication. So it, it, right. it could go either way. Um, so uh, this is a good point at which to pause, uh, Joyce, because uh, we have more issues to discuss. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the era of telemedicine, which was hastened by the advent of COVID. I want to talk about uh, affording medications, and there's sort of ins and outs on that. Uh, we covered a lot of ground in part one. Uh, you can find out more by going to the website, unitedstatesofhealthcare.com. It's not the United States of Health. It's unitedstatesofhealthcare.com. Uh, where uh, people, there's all kinds of resources there. There's a blog, there's videos, there's resources. Uh, and um, it's, a, it's a great, uh, I think, a great uh, way of helping your, your, you or loved one uh, better orient themselves uh, when they're undergoing medical care. Okay, so uh, when we return, more on the subject of uh, navigating our uh, challenging uh, labyrinthine healthcare system with... Uh, consumer advocate, uh, Joyce Griggs. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.